0: What makes soil sexy and what does this have to do with veterans? Answers to these questions and more in this week's episode of the Tech Veteran Podcast where Mel and I interview Sam Duncan, former Air Force and founder of ag tech company FarmLab. We'll see you in there. Hi there and welcome to the Tech Veteran Podcast. This podcast takes you through the lives, transitions and careers of veterans who are having success in fields of technology my name is Oliver Pulaski and along with my co-host Mello Sullivan we will take you through some of these incredible people's journeys
1: hi Sam thanks for joining us today um, we'll get to your business uh, a little bit later in the podcast Sam um, would you like to just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience and um, tell us a bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, sure thing, Mel. Uh, thanks for having me today. It's uh, great to be here with you guys, and uh, I do quite uh, really love the work that with you with with me does. It's um, it's a fantastic organisation. Uh, so, hey, look, yeah, my name's Sam. Um, I'm an Air Force veteran. Uh, spent twelve years in Air Force logistics uh, from about two thousand and six to two thousand and eighteen. Uh, that's twelve years, isn't it? Um, a decision, but i can't count so um, um i i joined uh straight after uni so i did did an arts degree and uh kind of tried to figure out what i wanted to do with my life and um uh obviously air force air force sort of came up and i thought oh that's uh that'd be a great career just to to see the world uh to gather some leadership skills that was kind of the biggest thing for me and uh and um, yeah, to to get my foot on the door with, with an actual actual job with uh, with an arts degree. So um, yeah, joined, joined the air force uh, through the undergraduate degree, and then uh, yeah, w- went through uh, officer training school, uh, logistics basic, and then got posted in my first posting to the RAF base up at Williamtown, up in Newcastle, and uh, worked with the fighters for a few years, and then sort of moved around, went down to Sydney for a few years, back up to. Or back down to or down to Melbourne, and then uh, back up to to Newcastle, where I sort of ended out ended up ended out my uh, my career.
1: So, what was, was your fantastic. what was your Air Force specialisation? Was it anything to do uh, with logistics. what you're
2: doing now? It was logistics. No, not at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. nothing, nothing whatsoever to do what you, with what you're doing now.
2: Nothing, nothing at all. Um, uh, no, look, I, I lie. I think. Um, I mean, I mean, this is the thing, right? You, we as um, I, I think a lot of veterans have really. Um, I uh, have really generalist skill sets, um, because, you know, coming out of coming out of defense, where well, you go into defense, you kind of have to be, you have to be a leader, you have to know how to how to manage people, you have to do administration, you have to yep. understand um, in logistics, especially finance, um, we did a lot of data stuff. And I, I think that's kind of what's followed me into my career now. It's probably mm-hmm. more the data and the tech side. Um, you know, you have to be adaptable, uh, versatile, all that sort of stuff. And I think um, mm. it really, I, I think for me, it's kind of set me up to be flexible and to, make, to allow me to sort of mm-hmm. enter into something that I really, really wanted to do. I sort of wanted to do mm. for the last the last few years of my career in Air Force, which is do something in agriculture and something environmental.
0: Mm. Awesome, No, that sounds like an incredible journey. Um, you said you finished with the military in around 2018 can you tell us a little bit about your transition out and what what you did before you found uh farm lab
2: yeah sure sure so um i still still do a bit of reserve work um uh here and there uh, which is fantastic But my transition from permanent Air Force to sort of reservist, um, it was, uh, look, I was incredibly fortunate to have an amazing boss um, my last year, uh, or last couple of years, a couple of amazing bosses throughout uh, my last couple of years in Air Force, and um, they were amazing because and at the time, the Air Force, and Air Force has gone through a real change in how they look at sort of um, their employment and, you know, with, the, which, with much more of a focus on work from home, which uh, kind of is something everyone's doing now anyway. Um, and that was really good. So my, my last... In my last year and a half where i kind of had we would actually had started farm lab or had the idea for farm lab very early on so i put a i put actually put a, an application up through my uh my supervisor at the time to say hey look this is what i'm doing in the outside can i have a day a week off to start looking at this and start start working on it, um, knowing full well that that was something I wanted to transition into um, at the end of my career. And they were fully, completely supportive, um, very, very supportive. So, I'd, uh, so I so initially started, instead of doing five days a week, moving to four days a week, still as a, uh, they, call it ser- they call it service category six now. Um, it's sort of between reservist and permanent. And um, I did that for about a year. Um, With uh, with two different supervisors who were very understanding and and very very supportive. Um, At the same time, about midway through that, I still deployed for a couple of months to the Middle East um, on Mm. operations, and then sort of came back and and went into that. So you know, whilst I was transitioning out, service life was still there, and I was still very very much dedicated towards um, uh, you know towards supporting uh, supporting my still technically full time full time full time job Mm. at that that time, and then. um, yeah. So sorry.
1: Well, well supported, well planned, voluntary, and sounds to me fairly well managed.
2: Yeah. Look, I, <laughs> two ways. It works two ways. You know, I had to. Mm. You know, you, it's it's give and take. I, mm. You know, the I figured the air force had done so much for me, and, and you know, having these skills, so that that's why I ended up volunteering for this um, for this you know for this deployment because you know for the past mm. six months prior to then I'd been working part time, and I thought well. Look, you know this is, um, you know this is really great that they're they're allowing me to sort of you know do what it is that sort of I mm. want to do and allow me to transition mm. relatively easily. Um, so yeah. that was, you know that was, yeah, it was it was nice. It was well managed from both both my end my my expectations were managed. I wasn't expecting to get, you know to take uh, a bunch of time off and you know I had staff oh. at, at the same time as well and that was all relatively tricky sort of transitioning out because oh, I won't lie, like it was super stressful now, like having, mm, you know, to do mm. essentially sort of two jobs now, trying to trying to establish a business uh, with less mm. pay. My wife had just had a baby as well. It was, you know, it was a bit, a bit all over the shop. Um, but, but it was great. And I look back on that now very fondly because it's allowed me to get where we are today and to slowly transition out, but still have that support of um, of, of the ADF. Mm, mm.
1: Um, which I think has sort of just answered our question with- asking about how you got into the field and utilizing the data um it seems to me that it was kind of organic to what you were already doing you kind of just steered it in a different direction would you yeah yes
2: yeah. so, so i might yeah i might give people might, might give your listeners a bit of background into yeah. what farm labs all about um, yeah. yeah maybe yeah. maybe just just so oh, yeah. Absolutely.
0: yeah tell us uh, tell us a bit about why soil is sexy
2: yes yeah so so i Farmlab is a. Uh, we provide farmers with a bank account for their soil, and we we base that on the problem uh, mainly um, one of the critical problems that we face uh, around climate change, and, and we realise that hey look, there's you know there is an answer to this at least in agriculture, and it's beneath our feet. You know if we can if we can help farmers sequester carbon, put carbon back into the soil, we can mitigate CO two that we're emitting through other other methods, and it's a well known you know, there's a lot of scientific evidence showing um, the benefit, you know, that showing us carbon sequ- sequestration works. Uh, there's the farmers now have the ability to generate carbon credits and sell them as an additional form of revenue. Wow. The challenge yeah. was that nobody was measuring, um, you know, well, they were measuring it, but they weren't mm. uh, They weren't keep keeping the data in a, I guess, an online sort of database, right? Mm. And, mm. and that was a real opportunity that we had was to create, I guess, a data, database of soil for mm. our users or a bank account for soil, for soil is what we sort of refer to it as today. Um, so, so that was the idea back in all the way back in sort of 2016 that I that I had. I'd sort of seen a few TED talks by a guy called um, uh, or a TED talk by a guy called Alan Savory, who's you know really one of the pioneers in the regenerative backspace. space. Um, Alan Savory, I mean, put it in put it in the show notes, guys, because it's um, I, I recommend it to everyone that I talk so, to. It's such a so Sam,
1: a- can I? sorry, just to, uh, for those sort of people that are not country based. Can you just give us a bit of a snapshot on what regenerative ag is about and that concept of, of carbon trading?
2: If yeah, you absolutely. A a so snapshot on that. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, I, I guess there's a good segue into it because Alan Savory sort of, sort of talks about the ability to put soil carbon or carbon back into the soil, so soil carbon. And so, you know, what regenerative ag um sort of does it's it's more of a movement it's not so much a scientific Mm. practice or a um you know a method it's it's kind of a you know a body of people that are using all these different methods scientifically proven and unproven to test them out to improve their um their soil usually through the improvement of soil carbon or soil carbon is a measurement of that um back in 2012 the australian government released um something called the emissions reduction fund which allowed producers to accumulate carbon credits and sell Mm. them on a, sell them back to the Australian government um, for, you know, for a set price. Mm. And um, uh, those credits can be produced by improving soil carbon. Um, There's a bit more to it than that, but that's, that's, I think it for um, instance. So where does
1: FarmLab fit into that?
2: So we help measure, and we provide people with an account for that, so that people can, yep. just like finances, if you if you you know if you go to your bank account once a week, you can see the changes, and hopefully, not go bankrupt and not <laughs> not spend more than you're, you're you're taking in. And It's the same with soil. So it's just a lot slower, and it's a lot harder to measure because when you take a well, you measure it usually using soil samples, and mm-hmm. um, uh, but a soil sample is taken from a single single place in the ground. So the question is, how do you, how do you then interpret that back across the paddock? How is a single place in the in a paddock uh, indicative of what's happening across the rest of the farm? And so we try and solve these statistical challenges, give it give give it to uh, farmers, give the data to farmers in a format that they understand, usually a map that they can use to look at changes over time. Um, mm. And so I mean, back to the, back to the Air Force experience, right? So there's actually there's actually quite a lot of you know if we dissect this for a second now, there's quite a lot of mm kind of my, I guess, career experience that's sort of come out here. Mm. So the first is actually one of the core challenges that we had to overcome to, um, uh, to build the business, which was the logistical challenge of getting soil from the ground to a lab and getting the results mm. back. And that's all, mm. it's all bread and butter sort of logistics. It's all right, how do you, how do you record on a digital device, in our case, a mobile app where you need to take a sample from and um, record the actual you, know, you actually scan a barcode on the soil sample that's been taken to send to a lab, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have to digitize that and we have to give that to the lab to um, uh, so that they know they know what samples to to expect and they can match up the samples that they receive with the uh, with the data that we're giving them through the system. And so so this is all. I mean, if you equate this back to army, navy, or yeah. air force logistics, it's exactly yeah. the same, right? So mm-hmm. I place a demand. Prints out at the warehouse, I need okay. to know what part to pick to pack to then send yep. off to uh, to the to the person that demanded it. So it's it, you know it's it's so similar. And then we start so, introducing some of the you know some of the more you know some of the more data heavy concepts. So understanding yep. right what what's the what is the data telling me in terms of changes and trends and those reporting things that we all get introduced to as part of uh, part of our career anyway, right. regardless of what you know what mastering we are.
0: Tell me so Can you tell me a bit about how farmers are accepting and adapting to using this technology?
2: Uh, Yes, yes, that's that's a really good one, Ali. Um, You know, it's it's one of those things, and it's kind of why we really try and solve those fundamental challenges of logistics, because what we find is that farmers don't necessarily want, uh, you know, like high-end tech that's going to that's super complicated to to use you might do a whole bunch of stuff but you know if it's if it's too hard to use farmers have a lot on their minds you know they're you know they're not just they're managing it they're managing a business as well um and so what we've tried to do is to make it as um as low cost to the farmer firstly so the pricing is very like we're cheaper than a netflix subscription pretty much um yeah uh, and and also work through their consultants so through their agronomists who are collecting the soil samples in the first place so that the farmer uh, it doesn't have to do anything. They don't have to collect the soil samples. It's already being done by their their agronomist, mm. their trusted partner, mm. and the data is just going into their into their accounts. It's kind of like what banks do for us in terms of our finances. Um, okay. You know, very very hands off, and that's that's been
1: our approach. Um, so, as you know, Sam, this uh, this ag data industry is something that I'm getting very interested in at the moment. Um, what is it that really floats your boat about this ag data thing what is it you find exciting about where ag data and ag tech is going
2: uh i think yeah so ag has been a really interesting industry it's um but i mean again there are a lot of comparisons you can draw to defense in general as well where we have a lot of um we have a lot of tech in in defense we have a lot of tech in ag but one, one. i think the piece of the iceberg that's really the top of the iceberg is the technology you know it's the jets yep. it's the new tanks it's the new ships um what people don't see is that well there's all and there's all this data being collected by this technology but we're not really doing like doing much with the data which is the bottom of the iceberg that's the bit that's the really big bit here it's the really big potential yep. that we have across um across both sectors to do some really really funky stuff mm-hmm. so you know in ag especially is we've got all these devices collecting all this data got yeah. a lot of remotely sensed data now from satellites, satellite imagery. So we use a lot of remotely sensed data as part of. Don't lab. don't
1: forget the big sexy tractors, Sam.
2: And the tractors with GPS big units and tractors. monitoring yeah. yield. Um, but when you actually look at the like things like things like adoption rate and use of the data, it's there's yeah. very a very very small portion of the industry, less than like eight eight to ten percent um mm. uh, across agriculture globally are actually harnessing the power of the the use of this data and so um and that says something there's, there's there's definitely a disconnect between you know some of the technology being used or there's more mm. the, the providers and and how they're selling selling or transitioning the data and, and certainly mm. for us you know that's a big challenge for us is is helping people understand the data more plainly mm. and more easily and mm. i think that's the big first step we need to take in helping use that data um, because it's certainly there. And I think we, we certainly think it can be used for a lot of really value adding purposes for the business. Yeah,
1: right. So, so Sam, I, I'm interested to know if you might want to correct an impression for me. Um, it seems to me that the feedback, the informal feedback I get from people is that they, they want data analysts and what they can't find is the data analyst that has an understanding of food chain and food chain production and agriculture. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, yeah, so it's kind of like, I heard this thing the other day, right? I'm sorry to get a bit techy, uh, but somebody, um, they're talking about job applicants and and how to write a good, like, a good resume, which, uh, which I think this yeah. sort of comes up yep. right now. And I was saying yep. that um, this is like, you know, like 20 years ago, right? Maybe not 20 years ago, maybe like 16 years ago, whatever it was. Um, yeah. they, they were recruiting, this company was rec- recruiting a developer, they were rec- recruiting a Python developer. Yep. And uh, the CEO was like, I want a Python developer that has minimum five years experience. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the yeah. CTO came, came to this guy and was like, yep. well, uh, Hang on. You know, I've got a, there's a problem with that. Python's only been around uh, for the last three years. So <laughs> it's kind of impossible. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, a kind of, it's kind of the same thing in terms of that question, Mel. Like um, people want like an ag data food, you know, people want people in this um, that have been in this industry, but this industry mm. is emerging. So, you know, uh, I, I think um, the best way to sort of frame it is you get. You, we're going to have to pre- bring people from other industries into this industry. Um, I, like mm. you know, there are ag data analysts out there, but they're very few. Mm. And it, because mm. there's still this, we're still on the adoption curve of technology across agriculture. Mm. Like it's mm. just not. I don't think it's a reasonable request to, to expect mm. somebody with that that sort of industry experience when there's mm. relatively few out there. But coming from other industries, or having a background in data through defence um is a really useful you know which should be a really should be seen as really really valuable for those people looking for those looking
0: yeah for those right
1: roles. oh yes you know we know we know what happens if the food supply isn't there you know you're sitting in the middle of a paddock somewhere in the trucks with the food don't turn up we know what happens yeah, and it's not right. a great leap to sort of
2: or well, your troops get grumpy and <laughs> revolt yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> do, do what you like to them, but make sure you feed them well.
2: Um, yeah, well, no, <laughs> on the stomach for a reason, right? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. absolutely, Yeah. To just
0: ask another question on that, though, Sam, how uh, how do you think we make the? How do you think you make that field more attractive to people who have experience um, in data? How do you how do you shift mm. people from other industries into ag?
2: Yeah. So, so look at uh, look. This is this is the big question, right? Like, this is the big. Mm. Challenge and growth in region, regional Australia and regional areas. Uh, it's something that you know. I think um, you know, and Mel, you live a uh, live out out in uh, uh, out of out of the major city, right? So you yeah. kind of get this too, where you, you there's been this bias towards people in the city, and I think there's a, it's also it's also the self-serving bias where you've got mm. the jobs are there, the data jobs are there, you know, the money is there. It's where people want to go to work, and um, mm. until now, people have had to show up at their workplaces. So you've had mm. to be based in these cities to actually mm. do it. Since COVID hit, we've got we've had this major opportunity of remote work. Mm. Uh, potentially, absolutely, you can actually absolutely. have people out in these in these other other areas. Now, that's the, we're still very very early stages with that, right? Like so, so I think the talent is still still mainly in these you know sort of city hubs, and mm. certainly we we. Know like great example. We advertised for a graduate GIS analyst recently, Mm, and um, we said you have to be based here in Armidale because we want you to work with the team. And we also have this philosophy of being regional, regional first, right? So Mm. supporting the regional community because any any, that's part of our any salaries we pay our staff. We really want to go back into the community, and we want to support regional Australia. One hundred percent, ninety nine percent. Okay, so we had 67 applicants. So 66 applicants were based in Sydney or Melbourne or yep. Perth, mm. and I don't know why Perth. Um, it was ridiculous, um, and part of that was well, okay, well that's that's I guess where the talent sort of lies. So mm. what we need to do is convince these people that moving out into the into these rural communities is a good idea. Um, mm. It's a bit of a chicken egg scenario because they're not going to move out unless they have a job out there. But if you can, offer them employment and offer them work then we can sort of bring them back out we can start to solve that that data crisis because they might come out work for farm lab they then get a job with somebody else and somebody else and, and all of a sudden you started to build this regional network of you know of skill sets um that, that existed exists mainly in the cities it's a bit more complex than that and i think there's other other factors here there's a socioeconomic factors and yeah. all these other things but you know, hey, we just need to be proponents for regional Australia. We need to, we need to encourage people to move out here and live out here. Because I think I'm, under I'm, COVID, you can yeah, do Yeah, I mean, yeah. personally,
1: myself, um, Ollie will testify, Sam, you know, I'm having great fun at the moment. <clears throat> Excuse me, sending photos back into head office in saying, you know, higher City Slickers, here I am yeah. at Mount Capiton National Park.
2: Yeah.
1: Here I am on the riverbank and here i am on the mountaintop and um you know selling selling the lifestyle unashamedly selling the lifestyle in some respects
0: making that's us all right. jealous
2: well, look, look at poor <laughs> look, at, look at poor ollie here you fluorescent lights above you you know in a horrible yeah, right. office <laughs> my eyes are going you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> the oxygen is not uh, but- clean around here
2: you know, that's the other opportunity is that, um, you know, the people that are already working in these cities for jobs, if they move out to regional areas, still keep job in the city. I, I think that's another another great opportunity. Yeah. And, and if we can see that over the next five years, it means that they move out here, they bring their talent, they bring their skills, so still Sure, they work for a company over in yeah. Campbell, you know, again, there's regional growth opportunities there because then they're spending money, uh, you know, in the local economy, which is Especially
1: with these lovely data hubs that they're about to install, around our area. Um, I don't know much about them, but I know they're coming and everybody's quite interested in these data hubs, these regional data hubs that they're putting in. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I guess we we sort of reached our last question to ask Mm -hmm. you, Sam. Um, And it's something that we're going to ask all of our guests on the show is if you could say anything to a veteran right now living in a rural community, what advice would you give them if they're transitioning or they're already transitioned and they're stuck in a dead end job? What would you say to them?
2: Uh, Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, look,
1: just to put you on the spot, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, um, networking. I think you're one of the things I, I first did when I moved out here was to, uh, engage with, um, uh, well, we've got the Smart Region Incubator, which is a UNE, University of New england, mm. England-run england incubator program. And I knew that, all right, well, you know, I'm starting a startup company that's focused on agriculture. I'm moving to a town. Oh, we moved here back in 2018 when I first, mm. you know, sort of left, left the Air Force. My wife actually got a job at the university up here. So that's, mm. that was what drove us to, to live specifically in Armidale. But mm. I, I knew no one. Like <laughs> it was insane. Like I look back on that, it was probably the most stressful time of my life. Like I mm, moving, moving up here yeah. with an eighteen-month-old, month-old. Yeah. Quit my, quit my, you know, secure government job. I was like, what, what am I doing? And I kind of just, you know, I, well, I was no, a bit, no
1: pun intended. Know. You know, you're really relocating to another country.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's it. What that's, you're doing? That, that's it. And yeah. you know, I'd. Um, uh really through caution to, to the to the wind um mm-hmm. i knew i knew that farmer was something i wanted wanted to do but I and mean, there were options i guess if you know if that didn't 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 go the way i wanted it mm-hmm. to go and i sort of gave myself a timeline there so we mm-hmm. came up here and it was through the connections i made through the smart region incubator as well as just reaching out to local businesses here that we were looking mm-hmm. at working with so agribusinesses and others that that Really helped um, guide and direct me, and provided me with a bit of network, um, uh, mm. a bit of a network, to a bit of a support network, right? Like mm. you've always got. Uh, you now, I mean, the thing is, you've always got your defence support network, and I think um, mm. it is it is a network like no other. I know where <laughs> I'm always, you know, mm. or you know, I st- still in touch. Oh, obviously, you know, you're always mm. gonna you're gonna make lifelong friends through throughout your defence career. Um, mm. But when you move on to something new, when you're sort of looking for you know, look, look for people in that space and network um don't lose your defense connections but look for don't be afraid to jump in and sort of look look for new connections mm. um right. it is it's very daunting like you know god like i look back and i'm like oh god i can't <laughs> believe can't believe i did that but it's kind of with a young you know, baby <laughs> with a young baby we had like but it's been good like i look back we've had we've had wins yep. since then you know the business has gone relatively well so it's you know, it's it's nice, but you know, had it not gone well, at least we I would have had that network as well here and here in town. It wouldn't have been all, or you know, all all dire. There, there's there's avenues there, and I think the thing that people don't realise, especially in regional towns, is there's heaps of jobs, so much work at the moment. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you live out and- here wanting to do your own thing and, and it doesn't go that way or yeah. well, you'll get, you know, especially with a defence background, you get snapped up and,
1: immediately. And businesses are hungry for skilled people. And sometimes it sort of just comes down to something as simple as turning up when you say you're going to turn up yeah. um, and, um, you know, just turn up and show up and give it a go and get in there and, and again, make those connections with people.
2: That's right, um, and, and I mean that's that's actually you know that's a great point, Mel. Um, one of the well, you know, one of the things in regional areas as well is that jobs aren't well advertised, and so if you right. if you network and you can meet people. Yeah. um it's a far better way to seek out jobs and even to sort of create new jobs because then you talk yeah. to people that run businesses and they're like oh yeah okay well actually let's bring you in to do this and x y and yeah. z happens and then yeah. you know you've just made you've just created yourself a job that is very yeah. very common um you know we we see it all the, all the time um yeah you know like it's you know there there are there is work out there and i think you know that's That's Mm. the thing. That's sort of the light, life at the end of the tunnel. Um, If you don't want to start your own business, there's there's plenty of work in regional areas.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think that's. What do you think, Ollie? Is that a good place to stop? Or.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Sam, thank you very much for being on the uh, on the episode with us. Um, Super interesting. I love hearing about Farm Lab. I think it's an incredibly interesting area to get into. you know i need to get out of the big city more
2: we'll get you out here to armadale lolly yeah out here um, can come out here and <laughs> spend yeah exactly some time in the country yeah perfect <laughs> Right, get a tan uh yeah my pleasure my pleasure guys it's been um yeah, thanks, really really wonderful and um yeah looking forward to catching up next time
0: awesome thanks sam cheers guys thanks for listening Make sure to check back next week for the next episode where Mel and I interview someone in the field of RPA.